Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I am Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I'm joined with my friend, Floyd Aikens, Vice President for Advancement at University of Toledo. Floyd, how are we doing? Doing well. Thanks, Kim. How about yourself? Can't complain. You know, always good to see you and always good to, uh, to have a conversation with you. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to to have a conversation with you about equitable hiring. You know, this is a big deal these days. Everybody's talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And so as we think of uh, our world of investment, you know, how critical is it that, you know, as leaders, we ensure that our our team is representative of the students we serve, but also has a sense of belonging. It creates a sense of belonging within the organization. No, I think it's it's real critical, and and particularly in the times that we're living in right now, um, very critical times, and and we need to represent institutions, you know, kids, students, faculty members. They all need to see people that look like themselves, and I think it's going to be important for the overall success of, of the organization to have that collaborative collaboration within uh, an institution. The, on the alumni side, they want to see it. You know, here at UT, I've been welcomed by just a number of different alumni and friends in the community, and it's been it's been wonderful for them to see me and for for me to see them. Right. As I've always said, Kim, and you've heard me say this, I think it's just as important for people of color to see each other. I mean, it's just as important for people of color to see each other as it is for people who are not color to see us in these roles because it's as we're continuing the mentoring piece you know which we've been both of us have been a part of it's important for us to have these positions be successful in these positions so that those who are who are coming along behind us have the opportunity maybe a lot sooner than 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 when you and I got the opportunity if you know what I mean yeah, and uh, and I recall during the mentorship uh, sessions that we were part of, we talked a lot about building that pipeline, you know, and right. you know, intentionally creating a path where we're bringing somebody from an underrepresented group that can see themselves getting into a leadership position, mm-hmm. but that requires intentionality. It just doesn't happen Correct. organically. So, keyword, yes, <laughs> from a leadership perspective, you know how how does one go about setting up an environment where that happens organically? Well, it it starts at the recruitment process. Uh, When you're in a leadership role, like the one I'm in and the one you're in, and you have positions that are available, we need to make sure that the candidate pools are diverse. I'm not, and by the way, let me make it clear. It doesn't mean that that person uh, who comes from a diverse background is going to be chosen for for the position, Mm -hmm. but we're never going to have any kind of um, diversity in our organizations if the candidate pools are not diverse and 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 not to make an excuse for not having it. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to make the effort. 
there are going to be some cases where or positions where you make the effort and you're just not going to find anyone uh, that, um, you know, uh, comes from that that strong, diverse background that you're looking for. And and so therefore you just move forward. But I think in every opportunity that you get, you need to try to seek that out, because if you don't, you're never going to have it. So that's the intentional part of it. And then when it comes to the hiring phase um, for uh, that individual, yeah, if all things are equal, um, if all things are equal, and that's what I'm talking about, that's when you have the opportunity to, um, that's where the intentionality comes in, is you have to be intentional. And and you also, here's another piece to it, the search committee. If there's a search yes, committee, sir. <laughs> your search committee needs to be diverse because if it's not, you could get a situation where you can have a, a candidate of color in a position, but if the, if the search committee is not, they may not understand that person's background and where that person is coming from to be able to relate to them. So that also has to be a part of the process. And even beyond the committee, when they are interviewing candidates or when they are interviewing people, um, you want to make sure that uh, the folks that they are interviewing with, that they see people that look like themselves as well as part of the recruitment process. Uh, you, I'm not going to mention a person's name, but you and I know of a person who interviewed for a VP role at an institution where they, they go for the interview. It was a good position, a VP position, and did not see a single soul that looked like them as part of the process. Oh, yeah. And because of that, they said, no, I'm not interested in this position. Mm -hmm. So all three of those things have to be in place. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting uh, piece going back to the, to the, to the search uh, committee composition. You know, I recall also the questions. I mean, you and I have been part of, you know, interview processes at predominantly uh, white institutions where somebody will say something like, you know, we want somebody who's a cultural fit or right. they'll have these questions Word that fit. automatically I sit there and I say, well, I am in this small state that has less than 10% of the population black and I'm in a small town. Chances right. are I'm already not a fit. So what do you mean by that? And, and it's the, the step where you, get, you even got to vet the questions to ensure that those questions that are being asked uh, focused on how can somebody be a cultural contributor? How can somebody, uh, you know, what skill set do they bring to the table as a person? And I think, uh, you know, that that is equally uh, important, you know, in, in that process. And then going back to mentorship, you know, you and I know people and uh, we've had those experiences where the organization is intentional in bringing underrepresented right. professionals. Right. But it goes like, welcome, we're glad you're here. Now that you're here, figure it out. And how does that go? Well, give it a year or so and somebody's leaving and then everybody's looking at each other and say, well, why did they leave? I mean, what a great place. And mm -hmm. I say, well, who did you pair them with? Or what environment did you create where they can have a sense of belonging? Talk what to me about of, that. Yeah, what kind of onboarding does a person have, for example? I mean, you're absolutely right. I have been... Uh, surrounded by a, a variety and, and, and speaking of diverse, a diverse group of folks here in my arrival at University of Toledo. 
from all walks of life. And it's been uh, incredible. And it's been a very welcoming community, all levels. So they have done a great job in acclimating me to the community and making sure that I'm meeting all of the right people, no matter what they've looked like. But let's go back to something, the word fed, for those of <laughs> those folks who are listening, you know, that that word should not be used in yeah. recruitment process because for us the word fit just like you you said it you you said it you were kind of kind with it but the fact of the matter is when you use that term fit basically you're trying to say oh i don't fit here because of how i look and oh yeah so the, we got to get away from oh well this person doesn't fit so you know we got to get away from that term why because because that's the next question okay so if i don't fit what do you mean mm -hmm. <laughs> And, 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 and nine times out of 10, they can't answer that question. No, they but cannot. If it's, if it's based on skills, if it's based on some other things, you know, we can have that conversation. But when you say, I don't fit because um, I am this African-American who's in small town America, that's not the answer because here's the fact. The fact is, if I applied for the position, there must be something about your institution that interests me. The question- Absolutely. Do you, are you interested in me? And to move even further beyond that, we also have to be careful. Another conversation that you and I've had before in the past, and you and I have both had to learn this, is to recognize when we have been put in searches just because of what we look like, and there was no intention of hiring us. Yes. And, and that is something that I think uh, to our audience, uh, especially those early in their career, is important to, to keep in mind. You know, we've all been in places where we're eager for that opportunity to be in a leadership role. Right. You know, we, we feel deserving. And then some friend of yours or through a search firm, you get a call. Hey, you know, you should apply for University X. And we really want you to apply. And so being able to do your homework as much as you can to understand is there somebody internal that they're they're considering strongly you know who's in the candidate pool and right. not just you know put yourself through the ringer of going through multiple interviews reference checks and whatnot at the end of the day they already knew who they wanted they just wanted to check the dots and say that i had one asian i had one african-american i had so and so so we had mm -hmm. a diverse search, but they've already, it's already booked. So uh, I, if you could uh, talk about that, because I think it's important for our early career professionals to understand not to just jump into something, jump into a search because it's attractive. Look right. at the totality of it and make sure that they really are interested in you. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting you bring this up. I'm thinking about all of the things you know, when I've gone through searches and thank goodness, I haven't been part of a lot. I've been blessed to, to be able to have some wonderful, wonderful positions in my career. But when I have looked at uh, opportunities, one of the first things I do is I look at who's on the president's cabinet. Mm -hmm. and, and then I'll look at, okay, so what does the board make up? What does that look like? And I, I look at those things because I want to see, okay, what kind of commitment do they have at the leadership level, first and foremost? Is there a commitment? Are there people uh, there in key positions to make a determination as to whether or not 
I would even, I would think I would be, get a feel of whether or not I'd be considered for the opportunity. Who is on that search committee, uh, for example, is, is another key piece to that. Who's, who's running the search? Who's the chair of the search committee? Do you know them? Uh, do you know someone who knows them? Mm-hmm. Vouch for them about their sincerity. So it's a process. And it's interesting. We, people are vetting us and we need to make sure, and this is your point, that we're vetting them too. Absolutely. We're doing our research on, on them to find out, okay, are they really genuine? To your point, do you feel like they're going to be intentional about this? And one of the first questions uh, we all should ask, is there an inside candidate for this position? Is, do you have a candidate? Most organizations are going to be honest with you about that. And so, Absolutely. And, and, then, and then you can make the decision, if the answer is yes, you can make the decision as to whether or not you want to, for the lack of better words, waste your time with this process. Or it may be that, yes, you do want to go through the process so that you can get a feel of the kinds of questions being asked as part of an interview process, knowing that you may go into it knowing that you are the underdog for the lack of better words and that you Mm -hmm. may get it because there's this inside candidate, but at least you had the experience of going through that process because we all have to go through that. Absolutely. To learn how to interview and, and what kinds of questions will be asked of us and what is expected. Absolutely. And I think too, it's important to, to, for one to align themselves as they think about, you know, these opportunities with uh, search firms that have oh, a documented important. record of vouching and being champions for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And they have, you, can, you can tell by looking at how they place people, where they right. place them, and the level of involvement they have in preparing candidates. Because I think, uh, you know, early on in my career, I didn't realize that the role of, uh, you know, a search firm, if they're, if they're good at their job, they, their role is to help you unpack the goodness that exists in you and the, and the toolkit that you have to best, to best ensure that you're the right fit with the organization. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's important that, you know, that, that, that be a factor as well. And, and the other thing too, that I, that I want to uh, sort of get into has to do with deciding which kind of institution that one should be pursuing. You know, we were at case diversity uh, leadership conference in DC. And I remember one young uh, lady got up and uh, was talking about what, you know, work-life balance and how important that was to her. And we engaged in a conversation about the fact that, okay, so do you know what kind of environment do you thrive, you thrive in? Do you thrive in a small family-oriented environment? Do you like fast-paced urban campus? Do you want to work in a large behemoth research institution? What is that? And depending on which, which one you want, they're right. all different because you and I have worked at very large 50,000 student plus campuses <laughs> with 500 right. development professionals, and you're just one little fish in a v- massive pond. That's and exactly. work-life balance does not exist. That's right. just it. But there are other places, you know, uh, small liberal arts colleges that, you know, offer you that. So mm. I think we need to mentor people to help them understand that there's no right or wrong. You just right. got to pick a spot that fits your uh, lifestyle and desires. So glad you brought that up. Because as you know, I started my, my first advancement position was at Grinnell College. 
yeah. at, you know, a small liberal arts college in the middle of Iowa. They now have 1,800 students. When I was there, when I started my career off in advancement, they had about 1,400 students, give or take. But in any case, I thought that I was uh, going to be a VP. I wanted to be a vice president on a small liberal arts college and, and had considered going back to Grinnell, to Grinnell when the opportunity became available, but decided to stay at the University of Iowa after leaving Grinnell, went to Iowa, had the chance to maybe go back to Grinnell, but glad I did not because I was really able to to cut my teeth, for lack of better words, at the University of Iowa and learn so much about the work that we do. And it's important to be able to be in an environment where you can learn every aspect of this, this work that we do, the craft that we have, and, and to be able to do the work. I thought, you know, so I'm there and I interviewed for uh, another position at a small liberal arts college up in Minnesota, I won't name it, but I got up there and, and realized they actually wanted my firstborn. And I thought, no, this is not, this is not the time for me. And this is not the place. And then one thing kept leading to another where I found myself going from one Big Ten school to an SEC school back to another Big Ten school. And now here at the, the University of Toledo, where I have found a jewel of an institution. And this is uh, the size. And I actually looked at this opportunity several years ago because uh, I, I knew there was something special about it. And to your point, to, to know what that size is. And, and I found that middle ground. And that's absolutely right now. I found that middle ground from where I started to where I've been to, to where I am now. And I think this is uh, the idea place for me. Sometimes it, it takes it takes time and you know timing is everything with this work, but the work that we're doing in terms of mentoring, I know that you and I, we, we've had the, again, we've had this conversation. Yeah. We want to see people advance in these positions a lot quicker mm -hmm. than we did, not because, they should, but because they have the experience to be able to do it. I Absolutely. think that, you know, some of us, many of us have had opportunities and we have this great, have, have great experience of being able to obtain one of these positions, but for some reason, not uh, having the opportunity to acquire one of them. Mm -hmm. And is it because of leadership? Is it because of who we are? I don't know. But what we do know is that the more experience we have and, and, and the sooner we can get that experience and, and encourage people. See, that's the other thing. We, yes. don't, we don't encourage each other to, to really apply for these positions. Other folks, they'll apply for the position. They don't even have the near the amount of experience. Oh, oh you're right on. And then they'll get the position and then we'll, we're scratching our heads and, and we say to ourselves, <laughs> Wow, yeah. I could have, I guess I should have applied for it. Well, maybe, maybe not. But I think that's what we're really marching toward is, is helping people in their careers and, and, and advancing their careers so that when, when I started in advancement and I walked in, my, my favorite story is walking into that, I walked into a case conference in 1998, didn't see anyone that looked like me in that conference. And I thought, 
either, I'm sorry, it was 97. So either I'm going to have to be, either I'm going to complain about this or be part of the solution. Absolutely. And I knew then that uh, that's when I got involved and, and started to speak and, and started to put myself out there. You know, I, it's, it's paid off. And I think, again, timing is everything. Things happen when they're supposed to happen for you in your career. And I'm, I'm a true believer of that. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, you got to go after it. I have a number of uh, mentees through the mentorship program we've been doing. And I remember having a conversation with this uh, young lady early in her career about the path that she was trying to take. And, uh, you know, she was thinking about, you know, going to run uh, a major organization. And I, and I asked her why, you know, I said, well, what's your why? What, why, why do you exist and do the work that we do? And through that exercise, we're able to unpack that she was really passionate about first-generation students and helping first-generation uh, students that succeed, but she was in an organization that does not have first-generation students, hardly any, because now nobody can afford to pay 75 grand to go to a school or get scholarships <laughs> for that. Right. So I get an email yesterday, and we're following up soon here. She says, you know, after our conversation, I recalibrated what I was thinking and I'm going to do something different. And I talked to my supervisor and they're supporting me in that. And so now she's, she's able to uh, pursue a role that is close to what she wants to do. That's going to lead her to that direction. And so I think that is absolutely critical. So let's shift gears here as we're, we're getting sure. to, to, to the other side of this from a leadership perspective. You talk to VPs, you, you talk to presidents of foundations about, you know, their role in creating, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in building the pipeline, creating equitable hiring. And most, uh, especially who are not minority that I've had conversations with, I think sort of overthink this, you know, oh, well, I don't know. I got to come up. I got to ask my team to come up with a strategy, blah, blah, blah. But you look at the recruitments, they use the same channels, but those channels don't are not where you'll find talent. And mm -hmm. also, when it comes to uh, identifying talent, most of our underrepresented populations don't have the luxury of having my first job in annual fund, I ran this philanthropy, whatever. You have a better chance of finding somebody that you can train. So it's more important to go and right. find somebody who has those, in, in, you know, those tangible, those things that you cannot teach them and right. then teach them about our industry. So you may be going to a community organization and, and, and that deals with uh, Hispanics or, you know, the black community and trying mm -hmm. to find those individual transferable skills. Right. And so as you think about all that to kind of, you know, come up with, with key takeaways, what should leaders that find themselves in a situation where they want to have a, diverse, you know, and, and fully represented workforce that, re that represents the student bodies that serve. Well, in some cases, the student bodies are not diverse, but still, they want the organization to be reflective of our country. What three things would you suggest that they do to create that equitable hiring environment? Well, I think you've, you've already hit on, hit on one of them, right? And um, which is your, you look outside of this, this space that we're in, we call it advancement. But if you look at uh, community organizations, you know, you and I, what we are looking for, can a person, how does a person present themselves? You know, is a person outgoing? Does a person have integrity? 
how do they work with other individuals? Those are some of the things that, that, that you're looking for. So first and foremost, obviously you're going to start the first thing that I do, as you know, Kim, is I'm calling you. I'm calling uh, a number of other folks as as part of our network to see who's out there. So you start. So you start there. So for those who don't have that network, you need to maybe look at your. Maybe there's a board member. Maybe there is someone in your community that you can go to, and you say, "Hey, we're trying to do a better job in our organization of having right. more diversity." Who do you know that I can talk to in the community or in our industry that might be of some help? So you you do that. Then, of course, you pointed out another important thing. Who are the search firms that are committed to, to this space? Who are the ones who, who have the, for lack of better words, the database, you know, development officers and, and folks in advancement, color, and that they could really provide you with a good list of strong candidates for who might that be so that is that's something else that I would do and then of course I think I think some of the, the organizations that we are a part of like case and EFP obviously you know for us blacks in philanthropy absolutely uh, there you've got the um, AADO so you've got all of these different organizations that you can tap into to try to identify folks that might be of interest. So that's what leaders need to do. I mean, if they want to have that, those are the three things. And to be able to hit all of them, because we do too. I'm in the same situation where I have positions that are available and I have uh, you know, tried to reach out to, to various organizations. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of um, hiring a uh, senior director for corporate and foundation engagement. Well, those are difficult positions to place anyway. So oh, yeah. if, you, if you're lucky to find a person of color in that role, fantastic. But you, you, you should say to yourself, well, that, that particular search may not yield as many candidates. So you have to also know that about you know, what are, what are the areas of expertise? Gift planning is another one of those areas where you don't see as many uh, people of color or diversity at all in those areas, which gives me the opportunity to plug those areas. Yeah. To say, those are areas that people should look into. And, and we've talked about, here's the other thing we've talked about. Not all of us can be a vice president. Not no. all of us should be a vice president. Not Absolutely all of us not. want to be a vice president. So therefore, but this is a very wonderful field that we in. So I think it's key to try to find a niche. And those are two niches, specialized, needed niches that that people should, should really look into as possibilities uh, in this uh, journey of philanthropy that we're in. So I just wanted to give those two areas a plug. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I say, awesome. uh, I mean, to me, is, is seek a role of influence and right. impact and less okay. a role of title. Because most of us, you think, yeah, I can be the VP, I can be this and that and that. And then some end up in that role and say, man, I, I miss I miss being a, a fundraiser or, or what have you. And yeah. so I encourage people these days, ask yourself, what's your passion? What's your mission in life? And what resonates with you? From that perspective, pursue an institution that speaks to that, that embodies that. 
and you may go there you and have a wonderful role that gives you responsibility and that gives you fulfillment that does not require you to be right. a CEO and that's okay don't you know it, it is it is totally okay it is totally okay it's kind of funny there's actually someone that report I, I think they either report to you or your colleague now that used to report to me yes uh, and i and i never forget we were we were riding together and he said well floyd i want to be like you and i kind of laughed it's like why do you want that <laughs> but because it's the you see the title you see you know the job description you see the salary and all those other kind but you know you got to put all that aside you've got to you've got to really figure out okay so why is it that you want this particular path uh, as your career exactly and because it's not as much as you and I are encouraging more diversity at the leadership level, we are also at the same time saying, but it's not for everyone. However, there are some wonderful positions that that are available that would be great and that we need to see people in. Research is, is one. Absolutely. Advancement services. Without Research, them, we can't do anything. Services. Yeah. I mean, so critical to the work that we do and when you think about diverse populations and, and for those of us who work at colleges and universities reaching out to uh, those alumni of color and those members of the lgbtq community having researchers with that background and experience is so critical but a lot of organizations do not have that uh, i'm fortunate to be at one we have it but it's it's going to be very important as the years go on for people to uh, have folks in those roles who are identifying people of color who and, and members of uh, other diverse uh, communities who can have an impact on their organizations. Absolutely. That's great stuff. Well, there you have it. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.